How's it going, everyone? This is Mike from the Emergency 9 Golf Podcast. We hope everyone is enjoying the Open Championship so far this weekend and have uh, a lot of plans to sit down and, and watch it over Saturday and Sunday. We have a special bonus edition um, of the Emergency 9 Golf Podcast this week. We had a chance to sit down and interview Joseph Bramlett, currently on the PGA Tour, and have a small chat. And he tells us about his kind of journey from college ranks to the PGA Tour and, and going through quite a, a layoff with a back injury. Pretty remarkable story. So hopefully you can uh, enjoy this a little bit while you're watching the Open and learn a little bit more about hopefully a, a new star uh, rising on the PGA Tour. So we, he did have a few Wi-Fi issues in his hotel. So the audio from him at the beginning of the interview was a little spotty. We did get that worked out and fixed. So it does get better towards the end of the episode. So we do apologize for that. But uh, sit back and we'll send it off to uh, our conversation with Joe. Enjoy. Mr. Joseph Brantlett from the PJ Tour is joining us. Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, we appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule uh, on the grind there out in Tahoe. Graduate of Stanford for those listening, California native, now a resident of Las Vegas, which has got to be awesome. Um, I'm going to start off with a question real fast. Is Tiger Woods in your cell phone, and can you get him on the phone right now? <laughs> uh, yeah, Ty Tiger's, Tiger's number is in my cell phone, and uh, no, I don't think he's going to be answering. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, that would have been huge for us, Joe. That would have been huge. It is yeah. a time difference with him over there in St. Andrews, but um, we're gonna blame it on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how's how's your season been going? Give us a little uh, rundown of, of you know where you feel your game's at. Um, you know, heading into the final stretch here, like you, you were just saying, kind of right before we started the show, is um, kind of crunch time for you guys on the tour. Yeah, this is the final stretch. We have four weeks left in our regular season, and uh, it's like it's in shape. Um, this year as a whole has been a little up and down, um, frustrating from a results standpoint, um, but also really gratifying, you know, from my game development standpoint. So, um, I made a lot of good points of playing, a lot of game aspects, uh, very hard on my putting. Haven't seen the fruits of that labor just yet, but, um, you know, I know it's just a matter of time until things start to click. So, um, yeah, very optimistic and really excited about the next four weeks. That's, that's for sure. So speaking on that, I know we were kind of following, I know we talked a little bit after the open, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You were second in strokes gain at the open. Is that right? Tee to green. Uh, yeah, I think I was, uh, it was second or fifth, something like that. Tee to green. Uh, no, nah, actually, it was second in uh, strokes gain approach, and then I got fifth, you. fourth, I think, in chipping. Um, driving was somewhere in the thirties, I think. So, I mean, I, I know that's you know each week is a little different. Uh, you know, one week you play well, you've got it, you know, figured out. But to do something like that at the open, I mean, I know you kind of hang your hat on you know your ball striking and and distance, but what does that kind of do for your psyche? I mean, coming off of a, uh, you know, I know you didn't finish as high as you wanted at the open, but you made the cut. I mean, anytime you make a mm -hmm. cut in a major championship, that's a, that's a nice, you know, obviously a nice thing <clears throat> for your confidence, but you know, to, to hit the ball that well on under those conditions. Um, and Mike can speak this. Mike grew up uh, around that golf course, worked at that golf course. He knows how difficult oh, wow. it is tee to yeah. green. Um, 
I mean, that's got to just boost you up a, a lot, knowing like, hey, I've, I've got, I'm as hitting as good as anybody out here. Um, yeah, it was your confidence for me. I mean, this weekend at a major championship, uh, it was my third U.S. Open, first time I made the weekend. Uh, that alone felt like a nice step forward. Uh, and to hit it as well as I did under that type of pressure uh, and respond from a mental standpoint the way I did um, was really, really gratifying. I took a lot from that. I mean, major championships are different. Uh, there's a lot of pressure week in, week out that we play under, uh, but that's the biggest spotlight. And that's what we, I mean, that's why I grew up playing golf was major championships. And so sure. those opportunities are rare. They come along often. And when you get that, it just kind of mounts into all of this pressure that leads up to the week. And um, to be able to put the work I've done on showcase under those conditions uh, was really cool. Out of that week, off standpoint, uh, be able to hang, hang with us. Again. What what was your uh, what was your take on the golf course? I'm, I'm biased, as Jay said. I worked there and, and just absolutely love that place. And seemed like from what I heard and read, a lot of the guys seemed to love it. Um, what was your take on on a old old school golf course, kind of hanging up in the in the modern era? Yeah, I was blown away. Um, I didn't know what to expect, really. Uh, West Coast kid growing up. When I saw the major championship schedule come out at the beginning of the year, I saw the country club. I didn't even realize that meant Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I genuinely did Brooklyn, Ryder Cup from that. Until I really didn't know where I was going. Um, and so once I, I did a little bit of research on the course the week before, and then when I got there, um, I was thoroughly impressed. Um I hope that the, the USGA uh, or, or major championships in general will find a way to get back, back uh, to the country club more often because, like you said, I old school feel, but I thought it held up to the uh, to a couple of rules officials. And they said, boss, you know, not one of the longer US Open venues. Um, you can tell that it still places a premium on playing great golf. And um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it was sweet, man. It, it, was, it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um, going back a little bit, um, kind of the early days, t talk to me about, you know, being a, a California kid going to Stanford and um, success you had there early on and then kind of taking that success in college and, and taking it to the tour level. Yeah, so growing up uh, uh, in Stanford, so I'm away at school and uh, I go to games as a kid i watched tiger play when he was in college um so yes it was dreams for me i mean that was that was it and uh when when conrad called me and told me i got into school all of a sudden i wasn't looking at any other colleges and i was i was locked in and my decision was made um and yeah it was a really exciting awesome four years my freshman year after a season we won a national championship uh you know eight year old kid freshman team wins the national Championship, you think that's just going to be smooth and easy and do this four more times. And um, <laughs> unfortunately, I had, I had some tough injuries to follow up and uh, didn't play a whole lot my last three years. But nonetheless, it was still an incredible experience um, in a next step in my life, which was professional golf. And uh, yeah, thankfully, I got through some of my wrist injuries in college. And uh, by the time I graduated, I was healthy again. And 
uh, played a competitive amateur summer in 2010. And back then, Q School used to go straight to the PGA Tour. So uh, that was the carrot I was chasing and what I was working towards. And um, thankfully, I had a really good fall in 2010 and was able to get my PGA Tour card and uh, graduate on my way up. I don't think people realize, you know, obviously back then that was a, a, a nice a nice setup that the PGA Tour had and it looks like they're going back to it. But I don't think people realize how difficult it is to come out of college and go through three stages of Q school and get your card in your first year. I mean, I can I can't think of really I think I know Dustin Johnson, I think, did it. Um, I mean, yeah. a couple of years prior. But other than that, I, I can't think of hardly any guys that that came straight out and went all the way through. I mean, it happens, you know, maybe one or two guys a year, but. No one that you know that's that's really been out been on tour for a long time. It's just it's not it's not very common. I mean, it's just really difficult. I mean, I know you only had to do it once at that time, but then obviously later you had to you know go back and forth you know between Corn Ferry back to Q School final stage a couple of times. Um, so it, it I just don't think people realize how difficult it is. I know you only had to do it one time and you were playing well, so you're like, hey, this is easy, right? <laughs> like, no, nah, I'll be honest, it was a rule, man. I mean that. Q school actually in 2010 taught me a lot about how difficult um, professional golf can be. I remember playing the final round at first stage. I was playing with another kid that I'd grown up playing with. We were both playing pretty well. I think we were maybe around 10th going into the final round. Um, so we were maybe three groups from the final group. So I'm in good condition for the golf tournament. Uh, we both had solid front nines. I think we shot one or two under and, um, yeah, the guy I was playing with just made these simple bogeys uh, on fairly difficult holes on 10, 11, 12, and 13. Mm. Uh, um, and sure enough, he parred out and ended up missing at first stage. And oh. I played a pretty solid back nine. I got through right around, I might have finished seventh or eighth, something like that. But it just hit me like, I mean, this guy has been working all year to get ready for this stretch of golf and played really well. And I mean, we had like a par four with water on it. We had like a 230 yard par three that you could make any number on with water and green. Like there's a lot of things that could pop up and happen. And I mean, you just made four like kind of simple bogeys that could happen and cost him any possibility of getting status on PJ tour nationwide, whatever it would have been at the time. Um, it was definitely. I didn't take for granted that I got all the way through. It was grueling and tough and I was really, I played, but along the way, you definitely got a feel for how difficult this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're talking to, talking to a guy who did it 14, 14 times. (laughs) I mean, you're exactly right though. You know, I I had on the, on this flip side, there was plenty of guys that I played with, um, you know, the same thing that I played with year out, year in and year out. And I'm like, this guy is so good. You know, how does this guy not make it through Q school? And they, they would get to second stage and, you know, they'd have a, you know, a poor back nine on, on the, on Sunday, the last round and finish outside the number. And they would do it year after year after year. And you could just tell like, and once you do it once, it's just kind of in your head and it keeps going and keeps going. It's, it gets more and more it, difficult. Exactly. Oh, I just, I always say, you know, for, when you come out of college, you're riding high, you've got that confidence. And if you don't get through that first or second year, um, it really takes a strong minded and talented individual to be able to come back and spend two, three, four years on whatever mini tour or, you know, satellite tour that you're playing on and to try to come back and earn your way back to 
you know, the corn ferry and then get your PGA tour car. I mean, it, those don't, those guys, I, I have a ton of respect for the, the guys who can, who can come back all the way to ground zero and then work their way back up. It's just, it's incredible to see. I just know how difficult it is. And it's, it's such a, like you said, it's like Absolutely. you have this one event at each year that kind of dictates your entire, you know, the remainder of Future. that year and the, the year coming. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just, right. it's brutal, but, um, so obviously you, you got through that first year, um, and, and that's when I know around that time and maybe shortly thereafter, that's when some of the, the injuries kind of started to set in. It was, it was the back, right. That, that really kind of really, really hit you pretty hard. Right. Right. Yeah. So my rookie year, I uh, played the PGA tour and kind of, like you said, I mean, I was a fish out of water. Like I was, uh, <laughs> not only was it my first year on the PGA tour, but it was my first year playing professional golf. So like, I didn't yeah. have my coach emailing me what time to show up to the van. Like I had to book a flight, <laughs> and, like figure out where to go. <laughs> like it was, it was a mess and, uh, I handled it the best I could. I just had so much to learn and, um, you know, I just didn't quite have the right infrastructure, um, or game at the time. Like I had a lot of things I had to get better at. Um, yeah. But yeah, I finished like 196 or something on the FedEx Cup. I mean, I barely snuck in the top 200. Uh, but that got me some starts on the Nationwide Tour the next year. And um, then the next year, I played a full season on the Nationwide Tour. Uh, was inside the top 25, but like right on the 25 bubble all year. I uh, was 24 going into the Tour Championship and um, missed out on getting my card by three grand. Um, so I ended up finishing 27th and it was... It was miserable. Uh, I just felt sick and it was it was so frustrating because I felt like I was so close and I understood so much more than I did the year before that I wanted that chance back so, so soon. Um, but yeah, so I didn't get my card back. I had another year to play on the Nationwide Tour the next year. And um, yeah, I worked my tail off. I, my game was in really good shape and um, played the first half of the season. And then halfway through that season is when uh, when I messed up my back. And uh, that created a whole <laughs> series of events and, uh, and a much different future than I saw for myself. And, you know, again, I know you've told this story a thousand times because <clears throat> a lot of people ask about it. You know, I just I still I mean, I'm still amazed, like and I was talking to Mike earlier that you can have that much success. And when I say success, I mean, earning earning your PGA Tour card, finishing almost in the top 25 in your second year uh, as a professional golfer. And then here you are you know, laid up, you can't, you can't really do anything. You can't practice, you can't get better. And, and you're fighting this back injury. And I mean, how, how long were you, I mean, were you dealing with this until you really got to grips and you, and you had it somewhat fixed where you could start to work on your game and, and, and get better? Yeah. So the injury as a whole, I was out for four and a half years. Um, uh, I, yeah, I tore a disc in my low back. Uh, I had a lot of other complications with that. And the, the localized injury on my back took about 18 months to heal. Um, but it, it's, it's a maze. Like when you, when you get hurt, especially with something as fickle and, and intricate as the back, uh, there's no roadmap on exactly how to get through it. And so, I mean, I saw 15 different spine surgeons. I saw seven different physical therapists. We tried a lot of different stuff and, uh, it was very frustrating because initially I thought I might be playing golf six weeks after I got hurt. Um, but that obviously did not happen. 
Um, and every time I returned to golf for the first couple of years, uh, I was on the ground and I mean, two to three swings in on the driving range, I was on the ground and I wasn't moving for a while. And, um, it was extremely humbling, uh, especially as an athletic person who played sports growing up. And now all of a sudden your body doesn't work and you're like walking to the bathroom to brush your teeth. And if you bend over too far, like you're going to be laying on the bathroom floor and like, somebody's got to come get you. And it's just, it's a humbling mess. Um, but thankfully I was able to like work my way through it. And, um, eventually is when I, uh, I met John Scott, uh, in 20, I believe it was 2016, uh, in May. And he was able to explain to me why my golf swing was causing the issues in my back that it was. And it was the clearest anyone had explained it to me up until that point. Um, and he was confident that we'd be able to get through it. And so he helped me get in touch with a couple of different physical therapists. And unfortunately those combinations didn't quite work and didn't quite get me where I needed to go. And, um, that was when <laughs> I was debating getting an exploratory surgery. And there was one more therapist that I was recommended to go talk to. And, uh, it's a guy I still work with today, Cody Fowler. And thankfully the combination of John Scott and Cody, uh, were able to help me combat, you know, all of my poor movement history and the way I had swung the golf club in a way that I could rebuild it and uh, not mess myself up. And so, yeah, it was it was it was a mess, man. You know, I, and again, John Scott's a, a, a great friend of mine, and I I still and I, I keep telling this when he first started teaching, and he laughs at me because that's you know how humble John Scott is. Oh, yeah. I was like, you're going to be one of the greatest teachers in the, in the game with, with, within time. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah whatever. But I mean, he, he truly is for, for him to be able to, you know, to, to recognize those flaws and take somebody who wasn't even playing professional golf, let alone help them through an injury and then, and then help them get back to the PGA tour. And I know Cody obviously was a big part of that too, but for those oh, yeah. two together to do that, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier for, for somebody to be at, at that high of a level playing on the PGA tour and then to go to, I mean, I hate to say this, but like for you, for a professional golfer, it was rock bottom. You know, you're not, oh, yeah. you're not competing, you're not playing, you're not even being athletic. And then to be able to come back and meet the right people that can take you <clears throat> back to the PGA tour. is like, it's like a damn Disney movie, really. <laughs> yeah, it kind of I mean, is. Honestly, I mean, looking at it from this angle, it, it very yeah. much, when you're stuck in it and you're trying to figure out your way through, uh, you go down a lot of rabbit holes and there's, there was moments. And one of them was probably in 2017 when I was thinking about getting that exploratory surgery that I was like, I, I don't know if this is ever going to end. And, uh, yeah. first time that I wondered if I'd ever be able to get back, but John Scott was very, very persistent, uh, in supporting me. And, um, you know, Cody came in and was able to help us in a lot of ways. And, uh, we had to rebuild my golf swing. Uh, literally from the ground up and I swing it completely differently than I did growing up. And uh, thankfully it also works a lot better than it did, you know, growing up too. So it, it ended up being a blessing, but um, yeah, he was able to give me my life back. That's, who did you, uh, who did you lean on as well? Did you obviously the family, friends, other athletes, other golfers that maybe had gone through injuries, that kind of thing. Um, you know, yeah. No, I mean, it was it, honestly, it was really uh, family and, and friends and people in my inner circle. Um, I mean, I was kind of watching Tiger go through something similar from a distance. Um, we had a couple conversations, but 
you know, there really weren't a ton of, of other, you know, athletes or, or professional golfers that I was really in touch with at the time. I mean, four and a half years out, I've only been playing for like a year and a half. So, uh, I was, I was somewhat removed from the golf world in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, I really just kind of leaned on, on some people close to me in my life to, to keep me sane and to <laughs> not let me, I mean, not let me get too crazy. And, uh, and yeah, I, Thankfully, I'm a pretty stubborn person as well. So uh, some of that actually paid off in a good way for once. <laughs> with it, yeah. You got to have that. You know, you can, there's not one professional golfer that I know that doesn't have a little bit of that stubbornness. You have to be almost a little yeah. stubborn and, you know, and I don't want to say nutty, but to think that you can actually do this for a living. <laughs> I mean, it's, exactly. it's nuts. <laughs> you know, when you're in it, when you're doing it and you're playing well, you're like, you, you know, you don't think anything else. You're like, this is right. I'm, I'm one of the best. I can do this. But when, when you're when you're on the other side of it, you're like, this looks so hard. <laughs> it looks Absolutely. so hard to get back there, especially in yeah. your situation when you're, you know, you, like you said, you can't even walk to the bathroom to brush your teeth. Um, it seems like you're so far away. But speaking of you rebuilding your golf swing, and I know you don't want to go too deep into that, but. I do know that you hit the shit out of your irons and your driver. <laughs> so tell what are your what are your yardages with your clubs right now? I just want to I want you to say it out loud. So just go through the bag real quick, like with your with your short irons up. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, do you want? I'm assuming just like full full out distances. Yeah, like just I mean, full like what you. Um, yeah, full yeah. club. I mean, not not like you're not like you're trying to swing as hard as you can, but like a no, but full like the, the shortest I would really want, like a full shot in tournament condition. Um, yeah, lob wedge is one twenty five. Sand wedge is one. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, my lob wedge eighty yards right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I compressed it a little bit. So um, yeah, my sand wedge is one thirty eight. My gap wedge is one fifty. My pitching wedge is one sixty four. My nine iron is one seventy seven. My eight iron is 191. My seven iron is 207. My six iron is like 218 to 222, depending on how hot it is. Uh, the five is 235. The four iron is 250. The hybrid is 270. The three wood's about 305 in the air. And the driver is about 320, 325 in the air. <laughs> That's an, I mean, how many people are you playing with in the course of uh, a season that? that hit it are hitting it past you. Um, I don't play with, with many. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if you, I, if you can name guys on tour, there's a couple guys on tour that hit it past me. Um, camp champ definitely has higher ball speeds than me. Um, he launches he spins it, a lot though. spins it more. So he doesn't yeah. maximize it quite as well as I do. Um, but I, I'm sure Bryson has passed me. Uh, I haven't played with him. He's not on uh, tour anymore though. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go um and um aside from that i yeah i haven't played with anybody this year that hits it past me um, gosh that's, that's a good feeling there. that's moving it yeah <laughs> well you know that's one way to hit a lot of greens right if you're hitting it if you're in sandwich and lob wedge in because you're hitting your driver 330 and 340 then you, that's it, gonna it, help it helps it helps there's a lot more to game than just distance but it definitely sure. gives you quite a quite an upper hand at times that's incredible. I mean, that alone, like one, I mean, you're hitting it further than you've ever hit it after Wait coming off, after Wait coming off of a back surgery, multiple back surgeries. No, I never had surgery. Uh, that was or just multiple back injuries. 
Ab- yeah, exactly. They're a long extended injury that kept me from playing. Um, and that, that's the crazy thing is that before I got hurt, uh, I worked out way more, way more intensely. Well, I lifted a lot more. Uh, I work out a lot now, but it's much different. Um, but before I got hurt, I was squatting, deadlifting, doing like these very powerful movements, thinking I was gaining a lot of strength. And I was very strong, but I used my levers and my, you know, my ability to create speed terribly and a lot of that was was part of the reason i got hurt um and now like i mean you see the way i work out and it would not be nearly impressive (laughs) like it would (laughs) i work out like a golfer now and yeah yeah it's just much much different but um thankfully the way in which we train and then the way in which i i swing it um is able to maximize my ability to create speed and 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 be repeatable at the same time so you're in the gym doing doing these crazy movements and people are looking at you like you're an idiot. You're like, what what is this guy doing? Like, are you working out? Are you doing? I mean, some of yeah, these I, golf movements are, are so bizarre, but they're so specific and obviously very important. But from an outsider looking in watching you work out in the gym, they're going to be like, what is, what is this guy doing? I thought he was a professional athlete, you know? Well, yeah, they, they can definitely tell that I'm training for something very specific and not the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so I see you got your um, your Warriors hat on. Uh, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't have to bring sure that up. Pretty sure you're a big Warriors fan. We've got well, yeah, a, we've I... got a Boston Celtics fan in the. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. I did. I did just a little bit of just a little bit of research, and I saw something about a mass hold minute, so I figured I might have a Celtics <laughs> fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm born and born and bred Boston, so. Um, you know, congrats to you guys, I guess. Sure. Uh, he's like gritting <laughs> his teeth while he's saying this. Um, Appreciate Steph it. Curry, <laughs> Steph Curry, best player in the NBA? Yes or no? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to roll with my guy. Yeah. Um, Absolutely the best shooter, in my opinion, of all time. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would absolutely give him that. I mean, to call to call somebody the best player in the league, there's just there's it's a team sport. There's so many different things that go into yeah. it. But um, yeah. if I were to be the first team taking a draft and have every player available in the league, uh, I would start with Steph. Yeah, it's. I mean, how do you? Why would you not take a guy who's? I wouldn't argue with you there. His his basketball IQ is off the charts, um, and skill set too. Obviously, um, he's got he's got great handles. Can can pass the ball, sees the court well, and then you've got a range of you know 20, 30, 40, 60, 80 feet. I mean, and that's the thing. Like when the guy heats up, it's like playing a video game, and then like Stupid. you take all those incredible skills compiled together, and then you also have a guy who has a really low ego. Uh, yeah. And, doesn't mind deferring to his teammates in the proper situation. So yeah. uh, I could go on all night, probably vouching about Steph, but um, yeah. <laughs> he needs to smack Draymond upside the head a couple of times though. Other than that. <laughs> I mean, every team needs a Draymond green on it. Every great team <laughs> has it and needs it. Yep. It's just yeah, yeah. Thing. You look at and the, uh, look at the second run of the bulls in the mid nineties. You had, you had your Dennis Rodman. He was like the, that same type player, just that guy who could yep. really needle needle away, but Absolutely. was very productive, great defender, great rebounder. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, the people hate that guy. They oh, hate playing. If against I them. wasn't a Warriors fan, I might be feeling the same way. But I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many uh, how many Jordans do you have in your closet right now? 
Too many, too many. Um, so I used to be a Nike athlete and this will be some more information about my back injury. I got really bored and, uh, <laughs> I basically <laughs> would just, uh, sit around on the couch and take my, my Nike merch credit and buy up Jordans. And, um, yeah, it got in the triple digits at one point and it was quite a problem. <laughs> it was, so it you're was saying now that you, it's not in the triple digits? Oh yeah, I've I've moved several times. I've donated. I've gotten rid of a lot of them, and I still have way too many. Uh, yeah. I don't. I, mean, I don't ever wear them. I mean, I'm getting to the point where I mean, I'm a 34 year old man, and I think if I'm walking around in like some pink and black Jordans, that might be that might be too much. But <laughs> uh, I get it. I get it. We still got uh, them just in case. Uh, Jay's 40, and he still wears Jordans. I, I'm yeah. I've still I mean, wear mine. Is this is this the play? I don't know. Like I'm I'm still trying to figure out what this. <laughs> The 30 stuff. You know what? About. You just do it. You just go with it and send just, it. All right. Who cares what everybody says, right? <laughs> Both of my boys, they love they love my Jordans. They want Jordans. I'm like, you haven't earned them yet. I was like, I'm one of go. I got my my oldest his first pair of Jordans this year. So he's he wouldn't there even wear them. He wouldn't wear them because I, I, I kind of hyped it up so much. And then finally oh, he got sure. them. And he wouldn't even wear them to school. I was like, dude, you're gonna grow out of them. You need to, yeah. <laughs> like, you need to wear Will you them. at least wear them like in a gym? He would wear them in the gym for his for basketball, and which was yeah, great. Yeah. I'm glad he okay. did that. He'd take them. He would take them. He'd wear his other pair of shoes, and he would take his Jordans to with him. Court, and he didn't yeah. want him to touch the ground, which I kind of <laughs> respected because that's the way I was when I was a kid. And then Absolutely. after the season, I was like, "Hey, buddy," I was like, "You can, you're okay to wear them." He's like, "Oh no, we've got, we've got PE today, and we're going to be outside, and and the the, the it's the." the blacktop is messy and it's dirty. I was like, I'm going to mess them up. I'm like, come on, man, you can wear them. You can wear them. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's good. He respects them. That's right. That's right. What's your uh, favorite pair that you got in your closet? Um, my most worn pair is just the all black Jordan one mids. Um, those are, those are my date shoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And uh, my favorite one, and my I got like these like suede blue Jordan Twelves that are pretty clean. I'm a uh, pretty big fan of those. I've got a I've got a pair of uh, original Taxis, 1997 that yeah. I uh, I wore in high school, and I still have them from um, high school. So you've yeah. taken really good care of. Them. They're still perfect. They're wow. still perfect. Uh, I, I probably wear them are. once a year. <laughs> Wow. And when I wear them, people don't even know how to respond. They probably look at me like Mike looks at me like, what are you? The people who know shoes. <laughs> well, like, I've been lost for the last three minutes of this conversation. So, yeah, <laughs> the people who the people who know shoes are they're always like, wow, those are it's like, what are those? What, what retro year are those? And I'm like, no, no, these are these are originals. And I'm like, what? They can't they can't believe one that I'm still have them and I'm wearing them. And then two, they look at me and I've got like a big beard. They're like, who is this guy wearing? <laughs> these, these Jordans, I'm like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I knew, uh, I knew you were, you were a Jordan fan. So I just was curious, uh, what you had in the closet. That's, that's pretty impressive to have, uh, triple digits. I mean, well, that's awesome. yeah, it was, it was an unhealthy coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> it could be worse things. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, we really appreciate it, man. I know uh, I want you to have some time to get ready um, uh, for the tournament this week. But um, great chatting with you, and and you got some, you got two two new fans here with uh, Enon Podcast, yep. and I'm sure you're gonna have Absolutely. a bunch more after kind of hearing hearing that story. Um, 
I still think it's incredible. I still think it's going to be a Disney movie, but I don't think the the ending of the story is has come yet. So I'm sure you want to you want to keep changing that. But um, super super impressed with everything that you and John Scott and uh, and Cody have done. So keep it rolling, man. And uh, best of luck this week and the rest of the year. And go uh, go get one more W. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me and the uh, the interest and support in my story. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks, awesome. Joe. Take care. Thanks, man. Joe. See you. Later, man.